TheWealthManagement.com Advisor Innovations Podcast is sponsored by LPL. As financial advice continues to evolve, LPL is at the forefront. Whether it's growing your RIA or building an independent practice, advisors can pick the business model, services, technology, and product mix that best meets their clients' needs. As a top wealth management firm, 100% dedicated to advisor success, LPL looks forward to learning how they can help you build your tomorrow today. For information and show notes, go visit lpl.com slash advisor innovation. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the Advisor Innovations Podcast. I'm David Armstrong, editor of wealthmanagement.com. This is, as you know, the podcast where we speak to folks who are pushing the advice industry into new and interesting areas. And today, I'm thrilled to have Tom Murphy, Senior Vice President of LPL's Advisory Programs within the Wealth Management Solutions team with us. Tom, thanks for joining us. Great, David. Thank you for having me. Uh, Before we get into uh, uh, sort of the, the broader topics, why don't you just give us a brief overview of where you sit in the LPL ecosystem. I know there's been a lot of changes at LPL over the past few years uh, and what you're trying to do there. Sure. The easiest way to think about my role is that I'm the general manager of the advisory programs at LPL. So I work with our teams that think about the platform experience of using the advisory programs, also how we price the advisory programs, and what the products that are available and, and policies associated with the program. So it's a it's a great role, honestly, because we have a lot of interaction with our advisors out in the field, and a lot of interaction with different parts of LPL to affect change as we continue to evolve our offering. When we talk about the advisory programs within LPL, uh, we're talking about all of it, I mean, including the sort of the traditional independent broker-dealer affiliation model, as well as some of the newer affiliation models that LPL has launched. Yeah, I think it's a, a great note, David, that we have a lot of different ways to affiliate with LPL now, whether it's the traditional independent role. We have a, a model we call the employee model. It's really, in my mind, still independent. We're just wrapping employee services around it. Mm-hmm. And in large part, they're using the same advisory program. So if you think about their traditional world where there's a rep as PM program, it's the same program for a lot of those models. We're simply packaging our services differently and making sure we're in tune with what the advisors need and that the package is, you know, kind of matches up with their needs. Yeah. So I think what, as an outsider, what we've observed at LPL is the this move towards putting advice kind of front and center uh, on the, the advisor's service offerings. You know, LPL has always served the independent advisor but just the, what advisors do is changing. And, and I think that's where LPL is kind of trying to cut new paths. Is that correct? That's right, David. And I think about it, we've invested in a variety of different zones in our wealth management you know, platform and programs, whether that's the trading system, whether that's the advisor desktop, whether that's the ability to integrate with third parties. There's a lot of different investment that we've made so that we really have an advisory chassis that we're operating from. And it's no longer the old, you know, kind of, broker-dealer approach where we're here to, you know, process your business effectively and just, you know, provide a high payout. There are a lot of services and offerings that we now have tailored for advisors, depending on their needs on the wealth management platform. So a big transition for LPL, I'd say over the last, you know, five years or so. Yeah, right. And and this transition has been going on, I think, in the advisory space for longer than that, right? We're moving away from the financial advisor as sort of basically a trans- transactional relationship with clients to this more holistic planning model. Uh, What do you see advisors most struggling with in that transition? Uh, 
Uh, it's clear that that's where the puck is going. I think a lot of advisors are still trying to kind of figure it out themselves. You know, where, where do you see the, the pitfalls as advisors kind of move through that transition? I think there are a variety of, I think, well, first off, I think there are some product sets that are, you know, better suited for brokerage, whether it's illiquid alternatives. Um, and so there are some items that, you know, fit better into brokerage. I think inertia is a powerful force. I think what we see is advisor practices, once they've made up their mind, that they're going to transition more towards advisory, do a fairly good job of engaging with our consulting teams to figure out that path and that plan and working through it over time. I, I think there are a couple of challenges. One is that you're having to learn you know, new systems, new technology, and that can be hard. Another is that you're having a change conversation with the investor. It's usually both a change of their investments, uh, a change of the services that advisors are providing, and then importantly, the, the pricing is just more transparent on the advisory side of the world. It's not wrapped into the product sale. It's explicit in something that the advisor has to engage with the investor on. And I think it takes advisors who are newer at it a little time to build up the confidence in how they bundle their services, how they talk about their price in order to you know, put that transition into motion. Look, yeah, and, and, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I was gonna, change is hard, right? There are, you know, Two reasons people change, either their minds get opened or their heart gets broken. And, you know, we're on the back of a 10-year bull market. So you have a lot of advisors that, you know, even if they haven't shifted out of brokerage are still fairly successful, they're riding the bull market. Yeah, I was in this, it strikes me also that I think a lot of advisors, you know, it's, it's no secret, the average age of the advisor is older. I don't know what it is now, 59. I think it's come down by like two years in the past 10 years. Uh, there's a lot of legacy business in these books that maybe doesn't transition as easily. Are you trying to capture the up and coming advisor uh, with these new fee-based programs at, at LPL or transition a lot of the legacy advisors, the, the, the folks with the big books of business that have been there for decades, essentially, trying to trans transition them over? What's, what's the plan going forward? I think we have different approaches for both. And first and foremost, I, I love the insight that the average age of the advisor is, you know, it's old, it's at 59, but it doesn't seem to move all that much over you know, the course of a decade as new entrants keep coming in. And so it's important that we have offerings for both. If I think about folks that are really have that legacy brokerage book of business, we have tailored some of our centrally managed program offerings uh, where there are you know, preset models within the program towards those brokerage-based advisors. So we have you know, wonderful models from firms like American Funds, Franklin, MFS, um, other firms that are large in the brokerage landscape. And a lot of times it's our LPL research team that's running it. So it's not exclusively products from that company. They might make up 80% of the portfolio, but where they're not at their best, we're inserting products from other companies. And we're able to create a plus story for the advisor and investor, where if they shift over, they still get that fun company that they know and love in brokerage. Plus, you know, these other companies where, you know, American funds, we might sub in, in, in you know, international or small cap or certain zones, and then they're getting the automated rebalancing and they have the ability to, you know, combine that strategy with others over time. So we've tried to create a brokerage plus story for advisors with large books of brokerage business. And then a lot of younger advisors uh, seem to really want to start in advisory and only use brokerage where it's, you know, specific to that product type. And depending on their practice and how they're set up, it's appropriate for them to, you know, 
jump into rep as PM, leverage our centrally managed programs, or a lot of times they're using some of both depending on their business mix. And they'll put different client sizes into different programs. So tell me about the, the models that you have there uh, at LPL. Do, can you somehow quantify the, the, the growth or the uptake or uh, the, the size of that environment on the platform, your model portfolios? Yeah, um, and we have a, some, a variety of different offerings. Our flagship offering is model wealth portfolios. And I would say uh, from 2017 to 2020, LPL grew rapidly and model wealth portfolios grew at twice the rate of LPL. Um, so outpacing that growth. And that was, I think for us shooting the moon this year, I think we're uh, shooting towards Mars. Uh, I think we're up about 40% uh, on the year. And part of that is a, a recognition as, as we look at advisors in rep SPM versus advisors that have historically used, you know, a centrally managed or centrally traded program. A lot of advisors want to retain the intellectual property and they want to do that for a couple different reasons. Uh, sometimes they've sold themselves as the you know, investment manager, the person picking the funds or ETFs. And, and sometimes that's not as important but they really have a hard time staying close to the investment story and explaining changes in the portfolio if they outsource it to a third party. So they want to retain control. And so our important innovation there has been to allow advisors or firms to send in their own models into that you know, home office traded program and they can retain the IP and we'll do the trading for them. And there's a lot of efficiency in that as we try to promote models-based practices so that there's efficiency in the, you know, investment management, you don't have to do the operational trading. There are a lot of risk management factors there, right? We're controlling for portfolio dispersion, any trade errors are on us, and the advisor doesn't have key man risk if the trader in their office goes on vacation or quits. So there's a lot to that where advisors can still retain control and outsource the operational function in our direction. And then in that program, it's really easy to take your own model and to pair it up with a third-party strategist. So David, if, if you're great at individual equities and, you know, or if you're great at picking equities and want to wrap that and put that next to, you know, PIMCO, which is going to do fixed income, you can still have part of the story and outsource part of it to PIMCO. And the user interface is really easy to mix those together and determine what investment objective they fall in. We're using a risk scoring technology that was part of our advisory world purchase. It just helps to make it so that anything on the program can be paired together. So it's a really flexible way to take, you know, some of your own intellectual property and also combine that with experts. Or if you just want to use the, you know, third-party product companies, you can mix them as well. Yeah, I guess I, there was always a, a fear about advisors using models. You know, you know, why would they do that, right? Why would they they would outsource the the intellectual property but still maintain control of all the trades and the rebalancing and the the actual administrative work of of the portfolio themselves? without putting any thought into the, the actual portfolio. It seemed kind of backwards, right? I mean, advisors want to be the, the smart guy in the room, uh, you know, constructing the portfolio and outsourcing all the other stuff is, is probably the best way forward, right? I mean, you've seen advisors sort of create efficiencies out of this? Yeah, we've seen a great adoption specifically in that component where it's the advisor or firm model, and then they're outsourcing that trading activity to LPL. And I, look, I think what's really cool is that we've unbundled it, right? It's no longer a choice of if I want to use the outsource trading that I have to also outsource being the investment person. Hmm. And, and the other element that I really like about it is I look across to our product providers that we partner with that support our advisors. 
they all have models out in the marketplace, right? There are model marketplaces. They've got models on their website. They even have models, you know, on our programs um, like model wealth portfolios, but they're doing a lot more than that. Uh, they also have services that help advisors construct their own portfolios. Um, some of them will compare you to your peers and how your portfolio looks relative to peers. Others will bounce it against their risk management system and provide you insights on, you know, where you may consider alternatives for your portfolio construction. So I think it's not just LPL opening it up. Um, I think we see product companies supporting advisors and creating better portfolios, which is what we're all here for, right? Because then it creates better outcomes for investors. Yeah. And not to mention that, you know, the, the advisor knows the client best and there's maybe specific specific situations with that client that a model doesn't necessarily, you know, goes 80% of the way, but it doesn't, you know, take care of that 20% of a concentrated stock position or some kind of a, 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 you know, whatever weird thing might be going on with that individual investor, correct? I think that's exactly right. It's the difference between like the, the model might be mass customization and the advisor needs to deliver something personalized to the investor, as you described in your example. Yeah, interesting. Um, and and this is what's interesting to me about what's going on at LPL is that this is available cross channels, right? I mean, so if I'm a an advisor in the employee model, or if I'm an advisor in the traditional broker dealer model, or if I'm an advisor in the new uh, RAA custodial model, this stuff is still available. That's correct. Okay, great. Talk to me a little bit about uh, the you know where you see the advisor client relationship going in terms of advice beyond just investments? Yeah, I think, you know, as we talk about models-based practices or other things where we're trying to enable advisors to scale their business, I, I, I think some of that is room to grow. I think also we realize that in a lot of cases, advisors need to climb what we would call the wealth management value ladder. You know, existing services are becoming more automated and there's going to be pressure on the cost for them, right? we Saw this with the trend of robo-advice where the you know, 60-40 portfolio is under attack. I think Vanguard's indicated that they're after basic planning and driving down the cost there. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of what we're seeing where we want advisors in models-based practices, we have a lot of other you know, things we're working on to help them drive scale. It's also so they can put time back into evolving their practices. And we see them spending more time in a variety of different zones. If you take planning as an example, there's you know the the basic financial plan where you've got the goals, but that advisors will start more and more to make sure that they're understanding their clients' concerns, be that higher taxes or longevity or inflation. Personally, I know my wife will outlive me. I'm, I'm nervous about how long I need to, to plan for there. So if I think about my own personal goals, you know, advice is going to evolve and extend. It won't just be the basic plan. I also think there will be a greater focus on taxes. If we look at what macroeconomists are saying and that the equity markets might not return as much in the coming decade as they have in the past decade, reducing taxes will be a way to generate extra returns or provide what you know David Blanchett and crew would call gamma or a different way to provide advisor value. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we also see advisors developing what we would call a standard of care. Um, so if I'm in my mid 40s, of course, we'll check on the goals. Maybe you're talking about my concerns um, and certainly my child's 529. But are you checking in with me to make sure that, you know, everything in my surrounding ecosystem is okay? Are my, you know, do my parents have a, you know, will and estate plan? Because I'm going to have to deal with that shortly. So I think advisors will extend their services. And then the most classic, I, I think we want to make sure that advisors are continuing to evolve how they communicate with end investors. Most 
end investors don't leave advisors because of bad performance. Most clients leave due to service issues. And there are now a lot of different ways for advisors to communicate with investors. We want to make sure that advisors have room to evolve how they're communicating with investors. Yeah, that covers a wide range there. And it strikes me that the what's going on here is the, the idea of the advisors being asked to be more of a bespoke relationship with each client, but doing so in a context of a scalable business. And that there's a tension there, right? I mean, you're trying to, uh, you know, every client's different. When you go deeper into the planning side, as you're talking about, uh, it requires more attention. Each client requires more handholding. Each client requires more uh, uh, customized uh, communications or, or customized relationship. And how do you do that in a practice that has 200, 250 clients? I think that's right. I think that's where, you know, advisors really have to think about who they're partnering with and if their partners are able to help them scale so that they'll have the capacity to provide those bespoke services. And that's, you know, as we invest in scale, as we invest in, you know, workflows and integrations and different ways to save time, uh, we also need to make sure that advisors are adopting those things so that we're putting time back in their practice so that they have room to evolve and provide those services. You talked about uh, the client communication. There's also prospects prospecting, you know, how advisors can more efficiently uh, market their services. You know, what do you see going on there? We, we hear a lot about the automated marketing services that are coming, digital marketing services that uh, are available to advisors. Are these really helpful? Do, do, do these things really work for advisors? Uh, we're talking about things that automatically generate newsletters and pluck content out of some AI engine and put it in front of the client. And, and hopefully you can track uh, what the client's clicking on and and uh, or prospect is clicking on and open use that as an open door for conversation. Does this stuff work, or is it still very much a referrals-based business? I think, David, where we started with the different segments of advisors um, for advisors that have a more mature book of business, I think the digital communication is important in terms of how they communicate with their existing client base, and that they're able to focus on, you know, excellent service and that excellent service with their established book of business will generate referrals. And as you know, at LPL, we've always provided help on the marketing landscape. If you want help in developing your content, we now have a solution where if you want to outsource the digital marketing, because you're not a marketing expert or you haven't hired a marketing expert, you can outsource to LPL and we'll do that for you. I think advisors that do that have to do so with intention. And what I mean by that is that they have a plan and likely not just a one-year plan, but a multi-year plan to grow their business and to grow it in an accelerated rate beyond what referrals would do for them. So that could be, you know, somebody starting in the business that really doesn't have that referral network or established client base, or it could be somebody that's, you know, <clears throat> happy with their current client base, but wants to grow at a rate that's greater than what they'll achieve via referrals. And I think that the options we provide there are great. And again, different choices in how advisors invest depending on how their practice is set up. I guess tell me more about what you're seeing with advisors. I, I'm still stuck on this idea of like customization and scalability in terms of workflow efficiencies. We hear often that advisors use maybe 30% of the technology that's available to them. Uh, is that your finding too? Do you, is that your experience? Uh, do advisors maybe not ring the efficiencies that they can possibly out of their tech stack? Or is it, do they need something new altogether? 
I think it's a good question. I think on prior podcasts, you note that sometimes it looks like there's a lack of, you know, step function innovation. There's a lot of incremental innovation, but I think you're hitting it on the head here. We really have an adoption issue or challenge. And if you, especially in the technology zone, if you think about it from an advisor perspective, again, they've got to learn new technology. In a lot of cases, they have to migrate data. And, you know, in some cases, they've got to change what the investor is looking at if they're changing portfolio reporting or, you know, planning systems. So I think those are the challenges associated with it. And I think it's incumbent on firms uh, like LPL to make the adoption easier. I think if you think about that changing the tech experience, the experience of what's new should be, you know, that Peloton type experience where out of the box, it's easy to use. And then I think we have to learn from advisors in the other zones. I have to think we have to learn on how to make it easier for them to, you know, change what the investor is looking at. Um, we certainly have the that is a challenge and as a challenge on our radar. Um, we have some recent successes. We talked earlier about model wealth portfolios and letting advisors contribute models. They found that very easy to use. We actually have a workflow technology and I would differentiate workflow from integration that we've rolled out in the last six months. Um, that's really easy to use. And we have you know 3000 advisors that have adopted it in the first six months. So I think we've got some you know, exciting trends at LPL are exciting recent innovations to learn from as we think about how to make adoption easier. I don't think we can sit back and say the advisors aren't adopting it. I don't think that's enough. I think we really have to challenge ourselves to, to help them and to figure out why they're not adopting them and to help them through that change. What was the uh, the the 3,000 advisors, the workflow? Yeah, so I want to differentiate. So if I, I'm going to compare and contrast, and I'll start with integration first. So if we think about like uh, client acquisition at our firm and most firms, we of course provide choice uh, with the industry leading CRMs, planning systems, or you know proposal generation systems. Sure. And we integrate those with LPL so that the data is flowing back and forth. But what happens there is the advisors, you know, going from one system to the next as they accomplish their activities. Um, if we think about the annual client meeting, we've rolled out something uh, that we term at LPL meeting manager. And it really exemplifies the role of LPL as the general contractor, where we're bringing systems together. And it's actually a workflow that was defined by fan financial advisors and really a, an accumulation of their best practices for how they think about an annual meeting. And it has three phases to it, right? And these are all fairly intuitive. They've got a plan for the meeting, they've got to have for the meeting, and there's follow-up to the meeting, including the, you know, checking all the appropriate compliance boxes. Uh, and it, I think what's, what's neat about it, because we spent so much time with advisors, is that advisors can not only customize it, like you and I might have a different workflow, but I could actually have different workflows for my A clients, for my B clients and C clients, where I'm pulling in, you know, more reports or different views from the planning system for my A clients, and the agenda for the meeting can be different for them. So there's a lot of flexibility within it. And we've started with our own kind of native technology within our advisor workstation, which is called ClientWorks, and pulled that all together for these meetings. And that's where we're getting the, you know, we launched it in May and we have 3,000 advisors that have used this tool for over five meetings, which is a great start for us. And where we see it going next is pulling in the, you know, the third party performance reporting and planning system information so that it widens our addressable marketplace for this. Uh, and we'll, we're working on that. And then we'll take this whole concept of what is, you know, the annual meeting for existing clients, where we're really getting a lot more time savings, not just data integration, but taking the advisor activities. And, you know, it's kind of rinse, wash, repeat, but LPL is doing the rinsing and washing. So advisors are 
just getting to repeat the meetings. Uh, we're going to take that and we'll shift that to a prospect meeting on the front end so that, you know, all those systems integrate so you don't have to rekey data. And then for your prospect meeting, we'll help to pull together all of that information into a bundle and help you set the agenda for that meeting. And I think that's where, again, if we're making that easy to adopt and it doesn't require some of the data change, that we can get advisors to, you know, to take that on, to do it, and to really wring out a lot of time savings there without some of the pain of having to change what the investor's looking at or do a large data migration. Yeah, you know, we talk about the what clients' expectations, end clients' expectations are from technology and from their advisor and how that's changing. Do you think uh, when you're out there talking to prospects, teams that are thinking of joining LPL or affiliating with LPL in some way, have you noticed a difference in what they're looking for uh, in a partner uh, from, say, 10 years ago, even five years ago? I mean, is there a, a clear, a lot of times advisors don't know what they don't know and don't know what, you know, don't know what they want until they know that it's available. What do you hear from advisors who are thinking of joining LPL in terms of what they're looking for and how has that changed over the time? Yeah, I think it's interesting. If I just think about our industry broadly, David, and any role uh, that folks play, if you rewound the clock 10 years ago, uh, I would say our industry is wonderful. If you, you know, love numbers, love investment products, love people, this is, you know, an amazing industry for you. Uh, and over the past five years, I'd be saying if you love, you know, investment products, people, and technology, this industry is for you. And I largely think that that's what's changed. I think um, if you look at it, advisors are, of course, concerned about cost, and they're, of course, concerned about service. But I think they want optionality, right? Um, if you're coming out of an employee model and you had one planning system, <clears throat> you want optionality in terms of figuring out what planning system is right for your practice. And you want the technology to work, and you want it to work the way you think about the, you know, your iPhone working. And so I think technology expectations have risen. And I also think advisors want options so that they can set up their perfect practice the way that they want to. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it's one thing to, you know, build all the, the, the shiny stuff for advisors inside LPL, but many advisors are still leaving bad situations, right? I mean, uh, uh, why advisors would make a transition Still, they're often more pushed than pulled in, in this industry. Or are you seeing that change too? You know, I, I think it's interesting. I, I think some advisors are compelled to change. I think our, a couple of things uh, that we've done over the past few years, at, at the outset, you referenced our new business models. Mm -hmm. I think our new business models are really going to be helpful in shifting that, you know, kind of from the, the advisor being pushed to the advisor being compelled to change. Um, you know, obviously I work for a large corporation, so I don't have to deal with real estate or human resources or, you know, other things like that. And I think that's the benefit of our employee model versus just having an independent model at LPL. So I think there may have been a lot of barriers historically, um, or maybe I don't want to go hire my own, you know, admin assistant, but now I can outsource that to LPL and have the, you know, the business solutions admin assistant do the work. So I think there are a lot of barriers that have existed historically, whereas LPL has rolled out new and different business models, that those barriers don't exist. And advisors still have the benefit of owning their own practice, owning their client base, uh, but without having to do all of the things that you have to do as an independent business owner. And I think that's huge. And I think it's a combination of the business models, as well as the business solutions that we're offering. And we've touched on the you know outsourced marketing, there's outsourced admin. If you're a mid-sized practice, you may want to have somebody look over your financials to make sure that you're 
you know, getting the most profit that you can. And our, you know, our CFO offering for business solutions, they work with a lot of different mid-sized advisor groups and they've got insights into what other people are doing, how they're minimizing costs. So I think we have a lot of services now, uh, whether it's the business models or the business solutions that can help unlock advisors if they just understand what the world of possibilities are. Yeah. Do you think, uh, and I know we have to wrap up here in a minute, but one final question, I uh, hope this isn't too on the nose, but do you see LPL at the competitors as being, you know, traditionally they were the advisor groups, the Soteras, the other independent broker dealers out there. Uh, increasingly, it seems like the competitors are the other custodians, the RA platforms out there, the dynasties, the high towers, the focuses, whoever they might be. Where do you see LPL's competition? I think the the shift that you highlight is correct and that it's more of the custodians and the high towers than the dynasties. And I, to be honest with you, I find it fascinating that advisors would elect to, you know, go directly with the custodian that's building technology to compete with them. Uh, but I think that's the zone we're in where it's, <clears throat> excuse me, custodians with technology that's, um, you know, coupled up with the custodian. And that's what we're faced off with in the independent space. Yeah, you're talking about the Schwabs and Fidelities of the world who, you know, say they don't compete with their client advisors, but in some respects do. Yeah, I think that the other zone um, that's interesting and that they'll start to get into and Vanguard is a direct to consumer um, that'll grow in the advisory space is the whole concept of customization on the portfolio side. Uh, folks have different terms for it, whether it's direct indexing or, or personal indexing. But I think it's another fascinating zone where you'll see the, you know, Schwab has some announcements. Schwab and Vanguard have made some acquisitions. And as technology involves, or sorry, evolves, they intend more and more to, to compete with the financial advisors. Um, I actually see this as something that will have a, you know, greater emphasis on the value of advice, as I think the direct index is going to be confusing for individual investors. And I think LPL positioning advisors there to help investors will be key. But I think more and more as we see the, the competition grow, it'll be interesting as folks affiliate with those those firms that also have the direct-to-consumer model. Yeah. Do you, I, would LPL consider a, a direct indexing uh, platform of some sorts? I mean, it sounds like your customized model portfolio is kind of a step in that direction. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, the industry has uh, direct indexing with you know parametric and others today. But I think you'll see certainly at LPL, it's something that we're evaluating and, and looking to experiment with as we think about 2022. Uh, and I think you'll see other distributors do that, right? Where it doesn't have to be the product manufacturer. If it's, you know, if it's the investor or the advisor trying to tweak an index, that it doesn't have the, it's a different set of investment intellectual property. Mm -hmm. And I think that the key for us there as we evaluate that is making sure that we're positioning the advisor to explain what's going on in the portfolio. I, you know, currently there are sustainability scores out there. Some folks will be interested in, you know, making sure that companies are being friendly to the earth. Other folks may be interested in, you know, having women in leadership as a part of the company, but they'll increasingly want to express their personal views and their investments, a certain segment of investors. And I think advisors have an opportunity to differentiate. And I do think where they can help is by explaining how that impacts the portfolio relative to the mandate. What does the volatility look like? What's the tracking error look like? What does tracking error even mean if you're an investor? So I think there's a tremendous opportunity for advisors to differentiate there and for firms like LPL to invest in direct indexing to make sure that we're positioning advisors at the center of that value add. Well, that's exciting. That's exciting stuff. It's, uh, it, it, it all kind of rolls down eventually to the, the investor and, and what's best for the investor. And that's exciting stuff for what you guys are doing there at LPL. Uh, Tom, thanks very much for joining us. 
Great, David. Thank you for having me. I've been speaking to Tom Murphy, who is the Senior Vice President of LPL's Advisory Programs within the Wealth Management Solutions team. I'm David Armstrong. This has been the Advisor Innovations Podcast. Thanks for listening. This podcast is sponsored by LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and member FINRA SIPC. LPL Financial is a separate entity from and not affiliated with wealthmanagement.com.